everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. So as you probably noticed, the last two or three weeks have been a never... You're not going to introduce anybody? <laughs> I'm going to introduce you guys. Just give me a second. So as you probably noticed, the last two or three weeks have been an unending sewage leak of bad news uh, in... For just about everyone in every way, we kind—I of, kind of intentionally avoided that in the previous episode where we kept things kind of, kind of light and fluffy. Uh, but we're gonna go headfirst into all that bullshit this week. So uh, joining us is uh, nerdcore rapper Ultra Klystron and again, all but co-host of this show, Carl Olson. Hey, what's up? And our another frequent contributor, storyboarder from LA. Uh, it's Corey Barnes. How's it going? Yeah. So. I mean, let's just get right into it. Uh, one of the big things that happened just uh, in the last couple of weeks is the news that uh, HMV Canada, uh, which has been pretty much the most prominent retailer uh, that carries home video in general, uh, but most notably anime home video release in Canada, uh, is shutting down. They officially went into receivership about two weeks ago, uh, and all stores are scheduled to be closed by April 30th. Um, you know, I gotta say, even though, you know, it's been a popular opinion that the writing's been on the wall for, you know, uh, physical media or home media for a number of years, uh, it's, there's still a lot of people who, uh, rely on it, or there's still a lot of people who buy it, a lot of people who rely on it to some degree, uh, and frankly, I am a little surprised that, uh, that this happened. Uh, I think, I think, I think they're kind of being eaten away by too many too many angles here um amazon isn't total garbage anymore up here it's still not great but they are putting some effort into it uh you still have a lot of specialty shops in any given uh town of of size and that's kind of where the hmvs are left it's not like there are hmvs in smaller places and even smaller places are getting specialty shops like the last time i was in Kelowna, which is uh for the listeners out there who are not familiar it's a bit of a smaller town in bc there was a specialty anime shop carrying I think legitimate merchandise in the mall there in Kelowna. Uh, but nonetheless, like these are all of these things that they were trying to do to keep themselves afloat are also being nibbled on by specialty shops. Even the general nerd culture stuff like Funko pops are like everywhere now. Like it's not, you know, like kind of tchotchkes are in all sorts of different stores. And I can see where, you know, if they were already kind of on the, on the bubble, there is a bunch of people standing around them with pins at the moment. Usually, uh, yeah. I mean, it is, does, doesn't, mean, doesn't mean it doesn't suck, though. I mean, it is very annoying uh, because what used to be like, oh, I can be in this place and I know where this thing is. If you were to move towns in uh, Canada now, it's all like you can't just be like, oh, let's go to the FYE and, and pick up where you left off. It's like, no, nah, that's done. Uh, hopefully what you want is is on Amazon or maybe at, at GameStop merch wise uh, or you find the little local comic book shop or anime shop or both to get yourself back in the physical media loop, but it's weird. It's, it's, it's this weird thing where the chain has failed, where I think specialty shops have relatively thrived. You know, it's funny. My, uh, I buy records a lot and my mentality has actually been for a little bit that I feel like it, it, it was a weird feeling where I felt that, uh, buying a record at HMV would be better because I'd be supporting a company that's, you know, having more trouble hanging in there because those a lot of those independent specialty retailers seem to be for the most part in better shape uh, a lot of the time uh i nonetheless i'm still a little surprised that that hmv is gone before say fye in the states because those two stores have sort of been in the same situation for a while 
they they are soulmates. I'm as surprised as you are that I can find any Fye store in like in malls, at least in at least in big cities. Like, I mean, I live in L.A., so you know they have them here. But I was just in Florida, and um, they're they're still around. They're still having kicking. You can get a box set of The Simpsons. You buy one and you get two free. But Jesus! <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Yeah. Other than that, H and B was uh, never that generous in, in terms of pricing. <laughs> I mean, they were getting better. But. Yeah, it, it's next to the bin full of uh, Genion releases, and you can get, <laughs> you can buy Slam Dunk on DVD, or uh, yeah, or like oh, that or, classic or, Toronto Dunk. And she, you love, or, or yeah. And I guess that the, so are they like just just like hemorrhaging their their DVD selection and replacing it with Funko Pops? Well, there are. I mean. I want, Funko Pops seem to be replacing everything from food to <laughs> to like uh, beauty products. I see those things everywhere. And you know what? They're all, now we've got so Mr. Potato Head wants in on that market. So now we've got Funko Pop style Mr. Potato Heads, where it's Deadpool, but it's Mr. Potato Head, and you'll see those start <laughs> popping up as well. Wait, 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 wait. Does this mean that we're gonna have Mrs. Potato Head Laura Palmer? <laughs> fucking plastic bag. Oh my god. Possibly. <laughs> if you don't know what Carl's referring to, uh Funko just recently unveiled their Twin Peaks uh uh Funko Pop figures and one of them is uh Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks, but she is uh you know killed it's dead Laura recently. Palmer. <laughs> yeah. Dead recently raped Laura Palmer uh wrapped in plastic with the plastic just strategically covering her her nudie bits. So uh good job, Funko. I'm sure I'm I'm sure whoever designed that figure had a is very proud of themselves. It's on somebody's C V. Yeah. <laughs> designed dead Laura Palmer Funko. Oh. I hope they got paid a good rate. <laughs> like, what's exposure. That, what's that email conversation like we need you to design this dead Laura Palmer. What what's your cost? Name your price. <laughs> yeah, and it, mold. it's it's interesting with Fye. You mentioned like the the Genion titles that have been bargain uh, like in a bargain bin situation. Since I I would imagine that Fye stores still have like stock of anime going back as far as like two thousand like two thousand one two thousand two. That oh, try ninety seven. Oh man, I'm surprised that that shit hasn't made it to a big loss. That that they themselves didn't liquidate it out to uh, uh, other carriers. Um, yeah, though I yeah, guess maybe they. Maybe yeah, they're they, waiting for like. Go ahead. They they have like clearance bins full of like anime merchandise. Like you can get like a black butler tote bag or like all the like they used to have like a big uh, display in ours that was just all Attack on Titan. But that was like two years ago. Uh, maybe they should consider bringing that back by spring. But a lot mm-hmm. of that is now uh, in the bins with uh, with all the other Chashkis and anime. Yeah, it, it's interesting when, by comparison when you look at HMV. I mean, you're gonna find some old manga entertainment titles kicking around. Like I think my local one had a like the big, huge, bulky standalone complex bo- uh, box set that's still like $180 and, and has been sitting around for about a decade. Um, <laughs> but HMV actually traditionally hasn't always been a great place to get anime, though. Uh, unlike Fye, which is just has just been inundated with stuff uh, over the last 15 <laughs> it's years. About 2004. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, them, um, them and uh, Suncoast, although Suncoast did not live nearly as long as Fye did. Yeah, um, and all their stuff did make it to big lots. Yeah, but I mean, yes, in, that, in, in that same amount of time, HMV has been like the only real substantial place to buy 
physical media. I mean, like obviously Future Shop and uh, which is which is also dead now has ha- always had well, something it, of a well, selection, became... but. HMV was like the special, the only major specialty place. Um, yeah. To, to get... I mean, like what, by the time Best Buy got up here, they were already bailing out of it in the states. And when certainly when they took over the Future Shop locations, they took over here. They weren't like now we're going to add a bunch of DVDs that don't sell. Like barely carry games at Best Buy now. Oh yeah, uh, like 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 let alone like DVD or Blu-ray. It's kind of crazy, like how little selection they have up here versus even the states, which at least has the remnants of those sections. <laughs> exactly. Best Buy yeah. is cut back in the states, but here it's just like been eliminated practically. Uh, I mean, you'll get some, you'll get new release titles, and that's basically it. Uh, they're not going to keep. There's more. There's, there's more long. floor. There's more floor space devoted for uh, each carrier's cell phone. <laughs> but and Funko Pops. And Funko yeah. Pops. <laughs> uh, Funko Pops. Um, but yeah, I mean, with HMV, uh, they never. When it came to anime, they they never really went out of their way to carry a good anime selection ex- uh, except for at their like most um their uh their signature stores in like vancouver and downtown toronto but i mean throughout the like, 90s and 2000s um like it would have been laughable to compare them to suncoast or, or fye or, or the u.s best buy in terms of selection because uh they were usually beholden to what was just being distributed directly in canada which back at that time wasn't very much uh i mean yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're going we're going way back here, but keep in mind that during most of the early 2000s, you couldn't even find Funimation stuff in stores in Canada, um, because they just didn't have any distribution deal here at all. Uh, Bandai Entertainment titles were like completely absent from store shelves here for us for almost three years, and during that time, like HMV didn't even carry them. They were not going out of their way to fill that gap. Um, and like ironically, it wasn't until 2011 when HMV was purchased by Hilco, which is a restructuring company from the UK, that that actually started to change because that's when they really sat down and and thought about how do we make a physical media store continue to get by in in this in this 2010s decade we're in now. Uh, and that's <laughs> that's yeah, oops. Uh, but that's the point when they finally shut that that's the point when they finally sat down and took notice of the fact that anime was one of the few sections of the home video market that was still growing, uh, which I believe is still the case for the North American home video market. Uh, it's like HMV didn't even hone in on that or really care about that until they were in their restructuring period. Um, you know what, then- though? At the same time, though, I wouldn't want to be a non-specialty re- re- retailer in that market, uh, especially given today's news of Crunchyroll getting a million subscribers. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, <laughs> good for them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, like, right up until recently, like, month by month, the anime selection at HMV was getting better. They were getting more stuff in at all their locations. Um, they were even, they were going out of their way to bring in titles from companies that don't really distribute their stuff in Canada at all. They were getting Nozomi Entertainment titles, they were getting discotheque titles, and their discotheque selection, uh, grew substantially just in the last couple of months and that's actually a big problem now because uh i mean stuff from discotech stuff from nozomi entertainment companies that really need to get proper canadian distribution in case in, in place don't have them uh you can't really get them without some kind of outrageous uh importation markup on them now be like if you, if you order a discotech title through amazon.ca you're you're paying like an extra probably 15 percent maybe more um on top of the 
the regular price uh, just because Amazon.ca doesn't get it directly from the company. They have to you know, import it from the Ameri- from uh, the American side, and they just tack an extra fee on on top of it. And the the other smaller distributors who are making up a larger and larger part of the anime market overall are not doing anything about that. Uh, they're not doing anything to fix that problem. And HMV provided a solution, especially for people who, you know, in certain parts of Canada, shipping is is not cheap. Uh, I mean, if, if you live in a remote community, you can't get free shipping from Amazon anymore either. It's going to be very pricey. So, uh, and not to say that, that people who live in those areas would always have access to, would have. In fact, I was surprised. There are, I think there were just over 100 HMV locations left in the day. I thought there were a, a few more than that. But, I mean, for those who did have access, it was kind of like a lifeline. So... I'm actually um, kind of surprised there was a hundred, frankly. Really? <laughs> yeah, I would. I would have been. I would have been. I would have been like eh, two in Vancouver, uh, maybe four total in Alberta, a couple each in you know uh, Calgary and Edmonton. Like I would have basically said for each city of merit, maybe one in Victoria, and that's a big maybe. You know, like I, you know, figure there's like you know, if you if you put one or two in every major, you know, every city above half a million that's still I'm still that doesn't get anywhere near a hundred. <laughs> so I'm surprised they had as many as they did. I thought they were they were getting by okay. I, I certainly thought they were going to, to outlive FYE. <laughs> I hmm. I thought we were I thought we were gonna win in that department, but I, I guess not. I've been trying to look uh, up how many FYE stores are left and uh this is like two thousand nine they closed over hundred locations and fifty people more in twenty twelve. Uh, so it looks like the or else I can find it's like it's from 2012. This is it. Said they had like 350 stores left here. That's yeah. I guess oh, what? Per, one per million people in America. Yeah, per capita. All right. That's, 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 <laughs> even, that's much lower than there were HMV. Yeah. yeah. Like especially these stores, especially like here in LA, like Amoeba Music is still doing very well. Like yeah, no, like and that's the kind of thing that I think would be the bigger threat to your your FYEs is you know in a place like LA you've got Amoeba in Seattle there's various indie chains and stuff that are going to hurt your music side. Uh, all of these cities have great comic shops. All of these cities have great uh, games shops. All of these cities have great anime shops. And these are yeah. all things that can eat at FYE from the edges. I'm be very yeah. curious to see if it follows a uh, similar uh, trend, uh, especially because the flip side is, is you know, uh, uh, HMV failed up here in spite of Amazon kind of limping along up here in Canada. Uh, and obviously in the States, uh, it's a whole different ballgame where it's like, yeah, you have like prime same day delivery probably of a lot of anime titles in major cities in the US. Like that's going to be pretty bad when it's all like, I can be, a, I can be a total neat and still get my anime delivered to my door <laughs> same day. <laughs> that can, that can be, pro- that could be a, that could be an issue. Yeah, I, we had like a anime store called Anime Jungle. I don't know if they're still around. I think we tried to find them, or maybe they've rebranded, but they're like in downtown LA, and there was like a, there was another one just outside of downtown. But um, I remember because they had commercials on Adult Swim for a while uh, to go pick up Kick Heart on Blu-ray. There, <laughs> the production I or was that production IG? It was the kickstarted Masaki Iwasa yeah. uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. No, and like up here that's. Up here we've got like Sakura Media, and mm-hmm. I actually I actually don't know if Seattle has one per se right now, or I don't remember which ones they have because it's been so long. Yeah, coasts have things. In Canada, are the independent stores going to be able to pick up the slack? I know we're we're probably very lucky that Sakura Media is still hanging in there uh, here in Vancouver, and but 
I mean, they have, they have, I, I was talking to the owner the other day uh, about the H&V closure, and I asked him if, because they have massively cut back on their selection of home video. Yeah, they can still order in basically anything you want and confirm that they still will continue to do that. Uh, he's not sure if they're going to expand the, the video section back to anything even close to what it once was. It was a, uh, that's a, it's been a very tragic journey to see uh, how the selection of that story has been changing. There used to be an entire wall of DVD and Blu-ray. So it, it, even to begin with, it wasn't a, what I would call an impressive selection, but it was, you know, it was good. It was an, it was very much an anime store that had lots of anime in stock. And then suddenly that shelf got cut in half uh, and the other half of the shelf got replaced with a bunch of Dakimakuras uh, because I guess they needed more room for those. Uh, and mm. then the other shelf eventually has now been contracted into a very small little little display. And even the even the Dakis are gone. The, that entire shelf is Funko Pops now, which has me a little worried. God damn it. It always comes <laughs> yeah. back to Funko Pops. You could probably see Funko Pops as the, the harbinger of, of death, perhaps. Uh, Sorry, when the nuclear holocaust happens, all there will be left would be Twinkies, cockroaches, and Funko Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or well, the other side of it is, is when Funkos inevitably, you know, have their you know their moments over, and people are like, what the fuck did I collect all this plastic garbage? Uh, is this just going to collapse like every comic book shop, game stuff, and anime store? Like, it's not, like, oh, it's the Funko money dried up. We didn't even know what to sell anymore. And we all went under. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, optical media is not going anywhere either. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it it's... can also be there after the nuclear holocaust with the Funko Pops. <sighs> yep. Yep. Funko Pops what, are. What, what did, what? Not what did away. this mean? Well, we have the informational disc that describes the honest, obviously true story of what had occurred. <laughs> These guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> hey, hey! If they find uh, optical discs in the in the far flung post apocalyptic future, which is probably closer than we think, maybe they could use that to backwards engineer like all of technology. Like, how do you play <laughs> this thing? And they can they can discover like the laser and. And the player, and they figured, oh, well, we can, we need something to display this, and you know, bring back television, and then yeah, it'll. Uh, we'll just cobble that shit together out of like things in junkyards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, there, there, there are some things to look forward to in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that right. might be how fun. How do we want to get back? I, yeah, how do we so, want to get back on track? So let's get back to what we were talking about. So I mean, so if you run like an independent store that that uh, deals with comics or anime or music or records or anything like that like this is probably like hmv's closure is probably a good opportunity because i mean a lot of those stores lose money they're just hanging in there um but there is still a market for physical media and now is the time to, to kind of seize that um because i mean the reality is not every like i think a, a natural assumption people are going to make is that everyone's just going to order stuff online but that's not always as i was getting at before that's not always going to be a practical option for everyone uh, because of course like it's in not, more remote communities not, you not, have shipping issues that are going to come up yeah. um and you can't well, like gonna... i said the selection here isn't isn't a hundred right yeah the selection here isn't perfect online um and you know we don't we you know canada is weird with our 20 dollar limit on on uh what you can send through the mail versus the u.s we have up to 800 dollars duty free come through so yeah uh it does make it viable uh, for the independent retailer to be in the, the physical space. Um, 
certainly better to pay those duties on a wholesale price than a, a retail price. Yeah. And, you know, this also this also strengthens my ongoing argument that right stuff really needs to look into opening a, an actual depot here in Canada, which is going to be an enormous cost. But I think it'll absolutely pay off, especially if they're getting if they've been getting increased business from Canada lately. Um, yeah, they could become they could become like the uh, the giant company in Australia that owns all the animes. Madman. Madman. Yeah, they could yeah. become Canada's Madman. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Nelvana might uh, have a bone to pick with that, though. Uh, <laughs> well, you can take their mad bots and go home. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, I mean, you, there, there are all these obstacles with ordering things online, and, you know, for, for like, guys like me and Carl, I mean, we... I mean, when we order... A lot of the times when we order anything online, we'll usually just have it sent to an address or friends in the U.S. and, and go down yeah, there. Order and, on American site yeah, and just and, get it in the U.S. And pick it up ourselves. But I, I think it's definitely worth worth noting and that we're, we're used to doing that. That's okay for us. It's worth noting that many people don't have that option because they don't live close enough to the border. In fact, most of the people I regularly have on this show, like Ian and Randy and, and Aaron, they, they do not live near the border and they can't do that. So yeah. I, I can't tote that as a, as a legitimate option. Um, also there's the fact that, you know, it's the idea of having to do something like that is total bullshit. You shouldn't have to do that. It should be possible to get this stuff in Canada. There should be more support for, you know, accessing this material in Canada. And it seems that just losing, uh, a major physical media outlet, it, it, it really is a, a, a big, a massive lifeline for a lot of people, most likely. I mean, now like what Walmart is probably going to be the biggest, uh, chain store that that carries home video or anime specifically um i don't know how many i mean my number of places sure i think by depth maybe uh, you would know better how london drugs is doing because yes they aren't as big a chain but they tend to be better about having physical media that isn't just like the top most popular blu-rays and the top most popular records right i mean them getting dragon ball walmart getting dragon ball in is a is an obvious go but it's like if i feel like if they're going to try and get something a little more niche London that wasn't drugs. at a specialty retailer. I try. I try London Drugs first. Yeah. London Drugs, which is like Western Canada only, I, I should point out. Um, they have traditionally been pretty good with getting anime, and they still sometimes get uh, more obscure titles in. But it's always very random. And I and you know, I I hope that they're looking at this HMV thing, looking at it as an opportunity to, to maybe uh, expand their niche home video selection a little bit. Um, but I or the, or, or they'll just be like, you know, what was working really well for HMV. Funko Pops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> I think you got to name your, you name your podcast. Popcast. Popcast. There probably is a podcast like that where there's open <laughs> Funko Pops. And like, and here's the Walking Dead Funko Pop. Wow, look at it. It looks just like the character. Oh All my right, god. But with sad eyes. I'm so tempted to check YouTube and see if people are doing unboxing <laughs> videos for Funko Pops. No, there there oh, are. Of course oh, they are. No, that's a given. That's a given. I just want to see if there's like an hour of audio of people talking about fucking plastic figures. And especially Funko Pops since they're all kind of a little samey by design. Yeah, but I'm I'm going to miss HMV. I mean, in a way, at least for me here in Vancouver, I mean, HMV kind of really died when that big downtown location shut down. Um, it's a Victoria's yeah. Secret now, which is like, pfft, whatever. I want to, I, I can't go browse through Criterion Collection DVDs there, but, um, 
<laughs> it really sucks. Uh, I hope that I hope that uh, other stores kind of adapt to this change. You know, we we see some positive development for more independent stores, but uh, it's it's really tough times. Um, and it's definitely being made worse by the and going back to you know getting stuff over the border or um or ordering stuff over the border or just dealing with the U.S. border in general. Uh, that is almost certainly going to get a lot harder for people in the coming, I was going to say months, but probably weeks. Um, I, I should probably point out that uh, at the time that we're recording this, uh, we're just like two weeks after the point when uh, Trump introduced the uh, the the travel ban uh, on Muslim country, people from certain Muslim countries at the at the U.S. border. Uh, and where we currently stand right now, um, the as of right now, and I should point this out because it will probably change by the time you hear this episode. Um, the uh, appeals, the federal appeals court, uh, Ninth Circuit, has uh, declared it unconstitutional, and for now, it is on hold. Um, obviously, that that journey isn't over yet. We don't really know how it's going to end. Um, it could end very badly. Uh, I, I'm going to try not to speculate on that too much. Um, but regardless of whether it happens, whether this travel ban goes into place or not, um, whether or not it's actually uh, a formal policy that, that, that is put back into place, um, things are going to be – getting over that border is going to be a lot harder, uh, especially for people who are black or brown, um, who are going to you know, face increased – even more increased scrutiny than they already do even if they're not from one of those countries, even if they don't have dual citizenship in one of those countries, even linked to one of those countries. Um, but even for other people, uh, even for just, like, white guys like me, uh, there's already mutterings of things happening, like um, uh, of social media searches or, or uh, border guards searching people's phones or possibly having to, or, or people having to, like, surrender passwords at, at the border. Um, and it's pretty frustrating and scary, I have to say. Uh, it's, I think it's, I think it's going to be a bad time. I don't know about you guys. I'm lucky I live in a, in a state that seems to mostly have its shit together. Yeah. Yeah. If you live in the state of California, I think you're probably okay. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a, a lot of work to be done and no, and no one should, uh, no one should sit by and watch it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, but, uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta write more letters and make more phone calls. Than I than I am already, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, everyone and donate. Uh, yeah, as soon as I have some money to spare, I'm gonna donate to the ACLU for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wells and Stank Camp is doing a they're gonna contribute their share of uh, a recent Friday sales. I was like, well, I might as well just throw my hat in the ring and uh, thing where basically they take they take like fifteen to twenty percent of uh the artist sales and they said well everything uh this last friday would go into uh the would, would be donated and so uh i was like well i might as well just donate my share of it as well to the aclu because it seemed like a good cause and that uh like i said every little bit counts yeah yeah and yeah i, I mean just from a canadian anime fan perspective i think there is a lot of uncertainty to face um because, you know, like, well, I, I can just, like, from the perspective of, of people like me, uh, I really want to go to, to SakuraCon. I go to SakuraCon most years. Now, I'm not so sure. Like, I haven't bought my ticket yet. Uh, I'm still hoping to go. I'm still hoping to do some panels there. 
Um, but I, you know, I'm not going to buy my ticket until the absolute last minute. And even then, like, what what could happen within the three weeks between the time I buy my ticket and the time that the event happens? Like, well, it's it's only been three weeks so far since the Trump presidency started. Like, it's unimaginable what could happen in that amount of time. They could institute some kind of policy that, you know, I have to surrender my phone or give up my passwords or uh, there's going to be just increased scrutiny that, you know, could could affect me. And then for, you know, people who are not white like me, people who are 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 brown or have heritage in, in one of those uh, the co- countries that are being targeted. Um, I mean, you you probably have to be crazy to even try and go down to 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 uh, to, to go to a U.S. anime con right now. And that really sucks. Um, I mean, going going to I, I think this might be increasingly less the case for younger people. Uh, if, uh, a lot of the younger people don't go to the states for cons anymore. They usually just stick around here because it's probably because it's too expensive. But being able to go to U.S. anime well, cons also is they like, have, a, like they, they also have them here, like in a way that they used to not. So that yeah, I mean, too. we have we have Anime oh. Revolution in Vancouver now, which is more substantial than any con we had before. But you know, it's it still feels kind of cut off from what you get in the mm-hmm. states where you get all the, the the richer industry representation and and more guests you know just higher attendance overall uh it it you know it's absolutely more more of a substantial thing in the states and it just being cut off from that is kind of devastating for 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 participants in fandom i feel i don't know carl you you you're actually from the states so uh, this is probably a big issue for you as well i don't know i got two passports so I'm not too worried yet, um, but it is weird. Like it's like it's like that was a thing that was very boring and stable through uh, two prior administrations because I've been coming up here since you know 2006 regularly, and you know is it was what it was, nothing terribly surprising, and uh, yeah, things things aren't no normal and nope. <laughs> things aren't stable, and that's just simply you know it's it's, it's it seems like an oversimplification, but that's a huge difference, right? Yeah. When things go from being like, yeah, this is this has a very consi- consistent set of rules. Things get happen through Congress, where yeah, there's a lot of like you can see things coming. Like there was that big change where it was like previously you didn't need a passport to go over the border, and then you needed one, yeah, uh, or you needed a an enhanced ID, and that was a big change. But it was one that was like years in the making. Like it took forever for that to actually settle in and that be a thing. And this is something where it's a like depending on what Steve Bannon manages to get. You know, 45 to sign. <laughs> like, uh, 45. It's a bit of a different, like, it's a very different. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's a very, it's, 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 it's a very, uh, it's a very different kind of move. And I mean, that's some of, some of what people wanted out of this, but it's like, yeah, but that's not necessarily what you want when you have, you know, like, there's lots of people who work jobs on, you know, live, in, live on one side of the border, work a job on the other side of it. Like, that's not unusual. Um, I mean, like, the most blatant uh, example of this obviously being Windsor in Detroit, where you literally have, you know, uh, a scenario that's similar to like San Diego and Tijuana, where the, the two cities are just sitting on either side of a border, but they're two massive cities there. Um, you know, these are, but I mean, even here you have people who are in Blaine and they come up here and vice versa. Uh, this is very weird because yeah. like normalcy is expected. And yeah, a lot of those people have, um, which call it Nexus passes, but we've seen Nexus passes, revoked for people who uh, had uh, ties to these countries. And that's very weird and very different. Yeah. And it just, it just, you don't, it's an apple cart that is, should not be upset lightly. 
Um, and so you kind of just got to wait and see. And it means that from, you know, fandom's obviously the least of any of these problems, but it just means that it's another thing to consider. Uh, it's like, yeah, do you, do you spend a bunch of money to book, you know, let's say like, oh, I'm going to travel something in six months from now. It's like, are you though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I booked a hotel room for Washington DC cause I really wanted to go to Oticon this year. Um, but I canceled that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's not happening. Uh, oh yeah. I, I was going to invite you guys, but sorry, that's not happening now. You know, the situation is just so confusing right now. And the, you know, the, if you've been okay, well, I was gonna say if you've been following it, of course you've been following it. How could you not be following it right now? There's all, try all... not to follow it. It follows you. Yeah, Ugh. and yeah, I remember when I enjoyed Twitter. Now I, I just got a new phone actually, and I have deliberately not installed Twitter on it yet because it's like having an anxiety button on your phone. All this news just pouring out at you constantly. You can't escape it. Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of things are getting like really confusing. Um. Because you're you're hearing lots of reports. There was that report just from the other day of uh, the Moroccan woman who, uh, in I think in in Quebec, who tried to cross the border and was and was turned away because of some videos that they found on her phone. It was completely unjustified. Um, there are reports of people going down um, who are being asked like their about their political affiliations or their or their um, opinions on Trump. Um, and it's you know it's feeling really scary. It is worth pointing out that. You know, a lot of this bullshit we're seeing at the border now has already been happening for years. Border guards have been doing this shit, and, you know, it's possible that we're just hearing more reported cases of it because of sensationalism surrounding all the all the problems that are happening and just the general craziness and panic uh, that's going yeah. on. Um, it, it is worth pointing out, and this is an ongoing problem, that border guards with, you know, only a few limitations can pretty much do whatever the fuck they want. Um, and there's very little that we can do about it. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a trend right now that people are being asked, you know, what is your opinion of Trump, uh, or, uh, what do you, or about your social media activities. But I mean, the reality is they actually can do that now if they want to. Um, I mean, I, I guess the, the situation that's kind of being speculated on right now is that these things are going to be instituted as policy. Um, and it's like, I want to say that's unlikely because the idea of, Every single person going over the border asked being screened for social media stuff is kind of ridiculous and unthinkable because it's not practical in any way. But you can't really say anything for sure anymore. Um, I, th I think that being able to go to the U.S. for a lot of people is an important part of fandom. And it, it really sucks that this is being trampled on like, from that perspective, uh, that, that just like that simple pleasure is being trampled on by these like horrible violations of 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 people's rights it's uh makes me so angry yeah. on the flip side i'm like i'm appreciating the uh, comparative quaintness of canadian politics so much more right now like kevin <laughs> kevin o'leary whatever oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right you guys have anything more to say about about that nah not really no. nah all right well let's let's move on from that um Carl, I know that you've been, uh, since you, you moved recently, you've been dabbling around with uh, digital over-the-air broadcasting and had a, had a few thoughts you've been itching to share on that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been great, and yet just ever so slightly disappointing at the same time, because um, where I am, I can pull uh, pretty much all the stations I get up here in Canada digitally, um, plus a, a couple of other states. Well, yeah, no, yes, all of the stations in Canada, everything in Vancouver. Um, 
And um, I can also pull uh, a couple of stations from the States because there's just uh, there's a couple of things being broadcast from, from uh, Mount Baker near Bellingham. And it's kind of annoying that two stations there that have digital substations, or excuse me, three, um, provide as many channels as all of the Canadian channels because the Canadian channels don't have any digital substations. And it seems like considering how much the CTRC wants to have more Canadian content, uh, digital substations encouraging that uh, kind of stuff, that kind of programming up here to be a, a really quick win uh, towards getting uh, greater diversity of content up here. Because, I mean, even if it was just reruns of older Canadian stuff or, uh, you know, because, I mean, a lot of the digital channels that I get are just, like, programmed with, like, reruns of old stuff from the States, but that's still an increase in diversity. You got, you know, I get me TV with all of the old sitcoms. I get movies with all of the old black and white movies. I get heroes and icons with all that Star Trek and 90s syndicated uh, schlock, which is actually sometimes just great fun to turn on. The PBS station uh, that I get gets me a PBS, uh, NHK World in 720p, which is awesome. Pretty much leave that on all the time because it's actually kind of better doing a PBS type educational stuff than the PBS is. When I was when I looked up the fact that uh, that PBS retransmitter had NHK World as a subchannel, I was I was excited about it. And then you made fun of me by pointing out that you could just watch that streaming online any day. But now that you've set up an antenna in your place and actually actually started it's, using it, it's, it's all you it watch. It's it all on. you watch. <laughs> but that's the thing that a lot of people who, you know, our cord cutters don't really try using an antenna. Uh, people don't really seem to be aware of no. it all the time. A lot of people don't understand the benefits of it. But when you actually, I think it's said, becoming more common. Like that there's like a cord cutter culture. Yeah. Like I think it's. I think. I mean, especially when you take a look at like related sales on Amazon, it's like people buy uh, some kind of flat antenna, uh, some sort of Android box that runs Kodi. And, or a fire stick or something like that. They buy some sort of media streaming stick and, uh, then they will get like, you know, maybe like, uh, or if they're really being fancy about it, you'll see like the third thing being like a HD home run box to hook the antenna into instead of directly into the TV. So they get DVR functionality. And, yeah. A lot and, of people and, have forgotten that a free TV is free. Or they've had yeah. cable their whole lives and so they never dealt with an antenna. Yeah. It's just so like every year the Super Bowl comes on. I always see the same articles that say um, how to stream the Super Bowl to your computer for free. And I'm always thinking, just get an antenna. Then you yeah. don't have to deal with all these workarounds to do the same thing that you do if you just get your digital antenna and plug it into your TV. Yeah. You're yeah, well, like, like uh, subchannels. Go ahead. Like, man, the, like the, the amount of subchannels here is insane. And there's a lot of like, like we also get. Um, uh, uh, what do call oh, movies and heroes and icons. Do you get buzzer? No. Is buzzer that like all is, game shows? That's all game shows and spelled B U Z R. Like, huh? like that's what I'm saying is like there's like it's it's um I mean especially when I think about somebody like CBC. CBC has I mean 40 50 years of, of back content. They could have a channel that's just all sub channel. It's all classic stuff in standard def. They could they could put CBC News World over the air. Um, and have a 24-hour news channel. They had, uh, they apparently at one point they did have CBC News Network over the air, but have since I taken mean, it back because they rely on the the cable um, 
the the money they make by having it in cable packages. Also, mm. uh, you can st- you can stream CBC News Network, but it's um, uh, but you have to pay about six or seven dollars a month for it, which That's nuts. is nuts, Ooh. especially considering it's it has advertising, which Canadian Heritage really needs to move forward with trying to find a way to make fun CBC that it, so that it can operate without ads. Um, I think that's yeah. that's really I mean, important. I across guess all the other it's going to be tough about getting that moving forward in Canada is we have such a media, we have like five media companies of that and no lane for like a lot of the stuff that I see in the States is like these new little companies that all they do is, uh, digital sub channels. And I mean, I, like even Funimation was at one point a digital sub channel in a lot of markets. So yeah, I mean, this is something here. that, yeah, no, I remember like, well, cause I remember where they launched. I remember being at anime expo and they had televisions, in the building there in Anaheim with just that were set up with digital TV and they were pulling over the air on the yeah. digital television Funimation. And it's like, yeah. it's this kind of okay, thing where it's like, yeah, well, no, the other thing is that what I, and the other thing I didn't realize is that you can multiplex like nine channels if you want to go SD on digital. Yeah. 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 There's a channel in San Francisco that does that. And it's like, okay, that might, that's maybe a bit much maybe hard to fill in uh, the Canadian market, but yeah, there's no reason we have this and with this thing here effectively and it's unused and have a great, a greater diversity of this stuff. And I think it's also the kind of thing where it's like, if you want to, I'm not sure if you can stand cord cutting, but if you want to watch people have people watch linear television, especially in Canada, where for the most part, most of the population is in larger cities near transmitters. Yeah. It's, it's I worth pointing out that if channels, you- it's worth pointing out if you don't live near a large city, your options for over the air are limited. But I don't think that that invalidates. Limited. Yeah, I, I don't right. think that, no, that I don't invalidates. Think it invalidates it. And I think if anything, it, and I think if anything, because so much of Canada's populace is in its handful of of major cities, uh, digital subchannels have as much, if not more, impact in keeping people watching linear television. Like I think if it's not going to, if you want to keep that around at all. I don't think it's going to be because you made your cable thing available uh, uh, over. Like, I think TV over internet is part of that, but I think the other part of that is going to be just make more content available OTA, and then people when they want to watch something streaming, they're going to just do that on demand. They're not going to tune into a stream that's linear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think when we people are Esquire network are, just moved to digital. Mm-hmm. But I think if you, I think for the people who are going to uh, when you're just flipping through stuff, if that's free and ad supported, or uh, in the case of things like CBC or for for now PBS, so it was always very donated, donation supported as well. Um, don't worry, most PBSs make most of their money from tow bags. It's cool. Barely any of the revenue comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. It's like yeah. it's like less than five, less than three percent. It's really tiny. Yeah. Well, the other side of that is is that, um, and I've noticed this, and I think I've mentioned this before. Like, the, the, it's really interesting to see like the times of day where the PBS affiliate that I get uh, over the air now. There are times a day where they're just running like somebody's self help video, and then they're running like pledges related to that, and you're like this is. Basically an infomercial, but we can let it slide. <laughs> it, yeah, it's basically because when you're running the whole when you're running like the whole thing for somebody's like how to live a better life or you know eat better type you know lecture video. I'm like that's base, and then you're immediately like here's the DVD. I'm like sure. The, the thing with um 
just finding the the relevance of broadcast or I, I think a lot of people are disconnected with how it's supposed to work and what it's supposed to be and I think I think that this is the big thing about people not being aware of the whole over the air antenna thing when they have more than likely have access to it is that when you actually get the antenna set it up to your TV and try it like hands on it's a it's an eye opening experience um it it kind of it's it, it it's kind of a uh i mean you, you kind of get a moment that that where it sinks in like oh this is how tv is supposed to work this is the actual potential of this technology um and then of course you look at canadian stations and you know they, they you had the, these potential to have a whole bunch of sub channels and it's just not being utilized and because there's no yeah. incentive for it and if more people tried it if more people were aware of the fact that they can get you know a substantial amount of content for free with an over-the-air antenna, then there may be more visible demand, and then like broadcasters like CBC could probably have more subchannels on their on their uh, their transmitters. Like here in Vancouver, it's, at it's, least, it's, it's a real it's a real chicken and the egg problem in a sense. Yeah. Because on the one hand, if you put more content out there, it will get more eyeballs, and you can sell stuff on that. But it's hard to put that content out there without having the money first and be already selling something. And there is a bit of a there is a bit of adult risk that you're going to have to take on. But I think, to me, the fact that you can look at the U.S. and you can look at any market, I mean, certainly as you get to bigger markets like L.A. and New York City and uh, such, yes, tons and tons and tons of digital subchannels. But even in things that are more comparably sized Canadian cities like, you know, Seattle and, and Vancouver, very comparably sized cities, but there's so much more over the air content uh, in Seattle, in spite of, in a sense, a less favorable geography, like Vancouver being built on a floodplain is flat. You can throw these signals out nice and wide and easy and so that you could cover it's, you know, the whole your whole panorbation with one transmitter, really. Whereas Seattle, because of the it's stretching kind of where it does in the, in the mountains and stuff, you end up with needing extra transmitters down south towards Tacoma and Olympia, extra transmitters up north towards Bellingham and Everett and, and then ones in Seattle and the central area as well. And even then so hilly through most of it that you can be in a shadow my parents for example uh, uh are in a shadow and they can't pull a lot of stations in spite of the fact they should be close enough to uh where they are um yeah it's kind of crazy that it isn't um more popular here and i do think that is in a large part because we're not taking full advantage um our media companies are not taking full advantage of the bandwidth being uh, allotted to them and it'd be really cool if they were kind of poked in the ribs to do that, because the other side of it is, on one hand, yes, it sucks that there is not necessarily opportunity for these independent things as easily or as rapidly, perhaps, to uh, get a transmitter set up and then sell multiple subchannels um, on on that. But all of these companies that do own, you know, CTV is owned by, I guess, Bell or who some, you know, like each of these major things have their corporate parents, which have multiple channels that could, you know, Hell, don't run, even run them all the time or only run them in standard def so you're not cutting into your HD packages. And run them in like shitty standard def. You can make it kind of like the, the, the shareware version of this stuff. You, you know, you make it the, the little taste. But if you do that one, at least people are watching those ads. So you can immediately say, I've got X more viewers on these ads. I can charge X more for them. Um, that may or may, you know, I don't think they're going to, I think if you did it right, you're not going to so much lose people saying I can now drop cable because I can get much over the air. It's that the people who'd be like, fuck watching much anymore because I don't want to buy cable will be like, well, if I can watch it though, that's, that's one of our channels. I think we have too many. That's such more, an American more, problem, Corey. 
I know. Well, yeah, it's also a Los Angeles problem. <laughs> but like, I, I have this list in front of me, and this keeps going. Like, ooh, all Armenian music videos. We have a lot of Armenian, Korean, and Chinese. You, uh, you guys. I know you guys have a couple of stations that specialize in like Korean and Japanese dramas. Uh, yes, I, like, I'm amazed and, that we don't have anything like that in Vancouver. Like, like that seems like a well, really like obvious have, thing have, for someone to we try. We have, like, one international-ish station, right? Yeah, we, right. Have, we have Omni, here. and that runs some of that oh, stuff. Okay. But, uh, I, I, like, I, I don't I don't think you can even get Omni over the air, or at least it's extremely limited if you can. Um, I'm, I'm, able to get om- I'm able to get Omni over the air, but oh, okay. what I realize is that given just the diversity we have in the lower mainland, we could have a station that was just running Chinese-language content, uh, and actually, you could probably have two because you get one focusing on mainland content, one focusing on on Hong Kong and Taiwan content. Um, we could have a station that's just running uh, content for uh, people from the Iranian diaspora, diaspora who came here. If people who are just uh, running uh, for uh, a Sikh, uh, Sikh Pakistani Indian audience. Like we have lots of like. Very specific, you know, and still in, in neighborhoods. We have neighborhoods and stuff as well. Like we have, we have lots of distinct, still culturally tight. Like no, you know, it's not, it's still a salad bowl, not a melting pot. So you'd have the audience for it, I think, here for sub channels that were, you know, as specialized as just running music videos for a given subculture. I think there would be eyeballs on it, and it would be uh, on in restaurants and such. <laughs> Yeah, like, a channel like, here called Justice Network. I don't know what it is, but it's on the Univision affiliate. So I'm assuming it's Spanish. Justice Network. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds badass. <laughs> well, it's right next to Bounce TV. What's Bounce TV? I have no idea. Bounce and <laughs> all day. See, I wish, I wish, I wish there was enough over-the-air content here that I was like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I know exactly, like, what channels I have, and I know that it's kind of annoying that, like, the thing that I leave the leave the uh, TV on the most is carry is a Japanese channel carried by an American broadcaster that happens to be receivable from the Canada. Yeah, our um, uh, PBS station also carries NHK World. Cool. It strikes me that NHK World would be like an obvious like you could put NHK World, um, France 24, and probably like a couple of other like you know uh, global outreach versions of mm-hmm. national channels as CBC subchannels. If CBC didn't want to uh, put any of their other linear channels on there, like that alone, if CBC said, you know what, we're going to carry that stuff because we think it's a valuable to the Canadian public to have a global perspective. That alone would be uh, a fantastic use of digital subchannel space. Yeah, when I lived in Atlanta, our um, one of our uh, local stations actually they made a deal with uh, uh, Clear Channel to actually carry their FM radio and then one AM radio on their uh, on their digital sub channels. So all you got yeah, was be like, perfectly valuable, perfectly yeah, perfectly reasonable to have there. Yeah. See, I think uh, despite the underutilization of over-the-air broadcasting, I think it's as long as it's there, as long as it's not eliminated, which unfortunately is a threat a lot of the time. I do think that it's going to outlive cable and satellite um broadcast is really uh, gonna... I, can, I can i can keep i can see satellite i see I, I think i think you might be right about cable cable is a cable is it's a, well, as a i mean like it's a specific subscription box as opposed television. to like IP. yeah yeah subscription anyway. television yeah like yeah like it like specialty television i think that it's we're going to see it really 
kind of implode. I mean, it already is imploding to a to a certain degree. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think I think at the very least, it's all going to become IPTV services, whether yeah. they like it or not. They're not going to be happy yeah. about that, but it's going to be like that's going to be the only way they can sell it at all. Even even if they can abuse net neutrality and a bunch of other shit, like even if they really try and force lock in, a lot of people will just be like, I can't afford your ripoff. I will pirate. I will yeah. do anything but get locked into this. I mean, I think I think nothing could probably drive people. Ironically, mm-hmm. nothing could drive people to over the air more than trying to force people into like cable and satellite yeah. by virtue <laughs> of strangling IPTV. I think yeah. a lot of people will take a look at going back to cable and be like, my, I haven't gotten a raise in uh, 30 years. Fuck you. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's, what, that, that's how people are going to be like, cause like, I mean, as it stands, like if like, I'm, you know, like my parents are thinking about cutting the cord because not because of the cost, but just because it's, it sucks to kind of have a cable box. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's, not a great experience and in fact the opportunity it's it's uh, like a, it's, it's like a huge it mut- a, it's like a mutation of what like broadcast television is supposed to be it, well not only that it's that the biggest problem with the cable box is that it's like when at&t forced you to lease the phone from them even though any idiot yeah. can make you a phone any idiot if you said here's the standard for ip tv cable boxes you would have and you said any you know what all you do is is that you can but you buy your yes you're Local Comcaster or Shaw or whoever is maybe the person that's providing the, the 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 streams in your neighborhood, but you can hook in any box, and so long as you're on there, you can do it. One, the quality of the interfaces would go through the roof because there'd be competition in that space. Like it only works because it's a captive audience, and they can keep sucking at it because they're 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 your only option. And two, the prices of those boxes would be nothing overnight. They'd be they'd be thirty bucks. Uh, in an instant. And I know this because you can get DVRs for over the air television, mm-hmm. if you didn't know this, uh, now made by like generic third party companies. And they're like literally $30 here in Canada and you can buy them in Walmart. And I've, I've been thinking about it and you just hook in a thumb drive. Ta-da. And you'd have the same thing at cable in a heartbeat. And yet they fight it. And that keeps actually then drives away subscription. It's insane. Yeah. It's yeah. probably, it's worth. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Corey. Oh, no, I, I'd say I'd love it if me being a 32 year old man who grew up with local television. I mean, the, the idea of like of uh, local uh, over the air TV stations becoming local again, like like I, I, that's just that's a pipe dream. But I, I would like it if like if TV stations became sort of boutique made for your city type of yeah. stations like like the and I mean, obviously, they're, they'd be low budget and. You're not going to make a prestige drama with with a uh, local TV budget, but I just it just reminds well, me of crazy like, thing was is it'd be easier to make something like, decent now at least like, yeah, now, like now, now, now having a local show yeah well no and the joke is is like now now would be, now more than ever it would be better to have like local stuff because it used to be it's like it would you know you're breaking the budget to shoot on a decent VHS thing now you could shoot it all on like GoPros and it would look better and would yeah, cost less and it would look better. Yeah, and it would be cheap to edit. Like you could, like on less budget, you could probably make really good local content. And the difference is now is, I mean, as it stood, the best local content did end up becoming things that would become nationally syndicated, uh, like MST3K. Almost Bill Live Nye. had a yeah. Well, Bill, well, Bill Nye. I mean, twice over because Almost Live, the show that he got a start on, eventually got a specialized run on Comedy Central. 
And then, of course, Bill Nye coming off of that was in a position to launch that both on PBS and then in an ad supported version syndicated through Disney. Uh, yeah. th- that happened because local television worked and there was a whole history of things leading into that in Seattle and in any city where you had these things going, where you had like local kids afternoon shows with their, you yeah. know, their local clowns and shit like that. Like these, I mean, that's like the greatest anachronism now in, in, uh, in, uh, the Simpsons is Krusty the Clown because he's based off that old 1960s, 1970s, your local afternoon clown show running cartoons and you know like introing yeah. and outring your cartoons so it's a complete thing out of time yeah just 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 to kind of summarize this whole thing just in case anybody listening to this doesn't isn't familiar with over-the-air technology it's just this beautiful simple stripped down back to the basics way of watching television it is very refreshing and it is very enlightening to sort of access content this way even if you know, the options that we get in Canada are limited. And I hope it improves. Uh, I hope, you know, if you have a television and you don't have an antenna and you think you might be able to access channels, I I definitely encourage you to get your hands on an antenna and just try it out and see what you can pick up. You can actually go to a website called... Especially... especially called t- especially if you're not already paying for, paying for stuff. Yeah. Like, if you are if you don't have a cable box, this is something that you can get cheap and then you suddenly you, you have that content again. You might as well try it. I, I'm going to use this to just seg into my last point. Um, and I'm just going to go for, I've been kind of alluding to this over the last few episodes, I'm just going to go for broke on it, that I really think that uh, we need to push for CBC to air anime in their late night schedule uh, at this point. And when I say late night, I mean like probably 1am on a Saturday or if we're lucky Friday night. But uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this, if you are one of the many people who feel that anime should be on TV, and I think over the last few episodes that we've been talking or since we started this show i think we have made it abundantly clear that it is very important for anime to be on tv uh people who have i did not expect to advocate for it like lisa patillo from seven seas entertainment who i had on uh, a couple of months mm-hmm. back have very strongly advocated for anime to be back, back on television it is very important for the industry um and exposure well, so and, and a, everything you, you can take a look at how positive it's been in the u.s alone to have Tsunami back Exactly. How much that has reinvigorated the fandom, how much that has refocused the fandom in and the I know United it's just, States. It's just a shame no one's copying them. It seems like 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 Cartoon Network lost Pokemon this year to Disney XD. So now Toonami is the only block on, on basic cable that runs anime. It's it's gone everywhere else. Yeah. That like it's it's nice to have that block, but at the same time it's kinda Kind of depressing. There's no duplication anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it, and it's weird because like anime isn't that hot thing that every network's trying right now. Yeah. Um, they, and I think they, they it, and I, and honestly, it's now more than ever exists the variety for different networks with different demographics to try it. And further still, there can be no question that the demographics that you're looking to target, the demographics that are considered traditionally lucrative demographics, grew up now unquestionably with anime in the background of their media consumption and therefore running that stuff in networks that you wouldn't expect with titles that would be fitting for your demo uh, would probably be incredibly lucrative. You would be drawing in an audience that again, otherwise probably doesn't give a fuck about linear television, but this would bring them in. Exactly. Come on logo, run your (laughs) way on ice. So what, um, what are like the top three shows you'd want them to air? Uh, Okay. So just, just to go a step back, um, doesn't even have to be practical. 
Okay, so I guess my top <laughs> my top three shows that I would recommend for them would probably be Attack on Titan because it's such a cool. glaring absence from uh, Canadian TV or ha- it has been for quite a few years and continues to be, especially with the new season coming. Um, my number two choice would probably be uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because you can't possibly deny that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is the exact type of show that CBC needs to be running right now. <laughs> I, I, I really think that. Um, third, uh, I don't know, like Inuyasha, the final act, I guess. That'd probably okay. be pretty, that, that'd be a smart pick. That's probably be like a really easy win too. Like yeah. you just run that and like, oh, all these people who grew up with it are now watching CBC. Maybe getting antennas to watch CBC. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I know people probably think it's crazy that I'm recommending CBC for this, but you also have to remember that at this point, CBC is no less likely to run anime than any other network on Canadian TV right now. So you may as well just go for <laughs> to, the to, for the for the station that's fair, going to reach the no, highest to number fair, of people. A brand a branch of the CBC right now is currently the only run running an anime over the air right yeah, now. Radio Canada this is running. to be Radio Canada. Yeah. Jeez, you know. <laughs> yeah, every still running every morning. But I I encourage you that if you if you want to push for more anime on Canadian TV and if you listen to the show you probably do to write an actual physical letter to CBC and urge them to give it a try. I mean, I did, and they actually sent me a response. It was very nice. Uh, so, I mean, they're reading these letters. They have to, because they're, uh, they're accountable to the public. And if they're seeing demand, yeah. they'll consider it. I mean, when I wrote them my letter, I pointed out that CBC doesn't cur- currently doesn't have any, like, fandom or genre-oriented content, which is becoming important for uh, media companies to have. Um, and, of course, yeah, acquiring like Everybody's got to have a superhero show now. Yeah. now. Why not just run One Punch yeah. Man? And they don't... Ooh. That that would be another also one to run. Yeah, One Punch Man would be another good one there, I guess. Um, but yeah, well, Attack on Titan and Inuyasha Final Act will have to event uh, to end soon. Yeah. So they will need replacing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or perpetual rerunning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's uh, uh. Don't don't even suggest it. It yeah. would happen. So I mean, <laughs> CBC is not going to develop anything like that themselves. So it makes sense to acquire something that is currently missing from the market, and that's. You know, okay. and, it, and it is an underserved I, market, and public broadcasters I, I usually supposed this. to meet those demands. What, what could they? What could they acquire that would be cool that would technically count as CanCon? If they're running after midnight, it doesn't matter. Um, I know, but, but just, 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 just for playing spec- games. Here. All right. Well, if we want to play that game, um, I mean, I, I recommended Inuyasha. They could pick up Nana. Would probably be that'd be uh, fucking sick. Yeah. Um, what else has had a Black Lagoon? <laughs> <laughs> they could run Black Lagoon, maybe. <laughs> you said that's your favorite dub that uh, that they've uh, it's produced. A gr- it's a great dub. Uh, I yeah. like it. Um, I don't know if I could see them running the new Gintama dub, which uh, we're probably going to talk about. Um, hmm. I, I, that's I mean, another y- thing. YTE ran Death Note, but eh. Yeah. They could, they could run Death Note again, I guess. that's. I'd prefer... Um, There's a movie coming. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Or have I, any of the later Gundams been done up here, or are they all L.A. now? They're LA. They're, yeah, it is. Or LA or New York. It, like, in a nutshell, uh, I mean, CBC is widely available. You can get it over the air. It is, uh, I think, a great venue. Uh, and of course, if, you know, if they did run anime, they would gain a lot of very loyal fans who would become CBC supporters. Um, if they weren't CBC Maybe supporters. Maybe they'd watch some of the other stuff on there, you know? Yeah, true. They wouldn't anyway, I think. <laughs> I think this is an idea that is worth pursuing. I encourage people to to write to them, uh, try and get the idea out there, see if it goes anywhere. They do listen to the public probably better than any other broadcaster. So, 
Yeah. Worth Just a shot. It's a better idea than running a show about Amish coke smugglers. How, oh yeah. <laughs> did you did, have you seen uh Pierre? I've seen like a I've seen like a little bit of this. But yes, oh by the way, Corey, there's a show on our public broadcaster about Amish cocaine smugglers. It's a drama. Hey, they're they're Mennonites, wow. Carl. Mennonite oh, 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 it's pure. What's it called? It's called pure. Like, you know, pure cocaine. Oh, oh, pure. I thought you said pure. Okay, pure. No. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to uh look for that. Uh, anything else? I, I guess uh, we can talk a little about Samurai Jack. Uh, so you guys obviously. The trailer's dope. Yeah, trailers. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. They're man, still running awesome. teasers. They've got like three or four teasers going for that thing too. That are like thirty yeah. seconds or ten seconds. But yeah, uh, comes yeah. out March eleventh. I'm super. I gotta, I gotta say, HD, HD does that show. HD does that show a million favors. Like it looks so much nicer with that extra crisp, crisp crispness. Like that really is like. Gandhi gets a lot more out of that. Uh, like some, like some stuff, like eh, standard def, high def, whatever. Uh, uh, when it comes to animation, but man, like the what that allows them in having that flat lined, no line look, and just having it have that. Oh, well, just I think that alone was great to see. I think also creatively, Adult Swim just is allowing it to be more of a labor of love than it ever could have been on Cartoon Network as well. You don't have to kill robots all the time and Jack take damage. Like, that, those two alone. You don't have to only kill robots and Jack can get, like, fucking stabbed in the gut. Uh, (laughs) That is is a big plus. Um, So, yeah. So, if anybody... I mean, mean, and here's the other thing is, is, like, I think at this point, it's, like, the audience that grew up with it, like, even the youngest of that, unquestionably old enough that they would be ready to have that story take a darker turn. You're not going to be, it's not going to be like, Oh, but what about, uh, but what about if the audience that just grew up, you know, it's like just still basically children still watching it. It's like, it's not like trying to take it. It's not like they're trying to like flip a cartoon cartoon that, uh, that one wasn't, didn't have those tendencies, but two is still relatively fresh with children. Like it'd be an entirely different thing to try and like put like, uh, Steven Universe or Adventure Time on Adult Swim tomorrow with like different standards because you still have a bunch of kids who still watch that show. Yeah. Uh, in ten years, you could, you know, whatever. That's different. But uh, I'm glad yeah, to see that of, Jack is maybe allowing that to occur. Like that's again, maybe this is something gonna, that they can start to think about in the future. You're not gonna see like Ed, Ed, and Eddie, but with blood and swearing. <laughs> not that Danny and Nucci wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he would. <laughs> if, if you if you said like you get 13 episodes of like no rules. I don't think it'd be so much blood as swearing as just lots of like really, really like blue, co- blue, blue off co- off color humor. <laughs> no uh, yeah. no beating around the bushes about the porno mags anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just in case anyone's wondering, I have confirmed. Uh, I was in contact with the people who run the Adult Swim app. Uh, the Samurai Jack new season will be on the Canadian Adult Swim app. Uh, it'll. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. You you might Yay. have to wait until Monday for it to show up. Um, they're looking into that, but uh, it is going to be on there for sure. As for broadcast, we haven't heard anything yet from Adult Swim Canada. I'm not counting on it. So <laughs> just get the app. One of those things would <laughs> be a, like, happy yeah. surprise. It'd be a real happy surprise if it turns up. But I mean, you see, that's it. the thing. Like Adult Swim Canada has been running Samurai Jack basically as filler, because it was just easy content they could acquire from the Cartoon Network side, for years. And, yeah. you know, obviously they, they keep it on because it gets solid viewership, and it's 
it's helped yeah, keep so that it's... going for them. And you would think that if they were going to break the bank on any one thing, it would be the new Samurai Jaxi. But they've shown no indication of that whatsoever. That, in, that entire Adult Swim Canada network is just such a write-off. It is it's, it's a well, fucking it's, tragedy. It's like they're not even they're not they're not even doing the easy. I mean, they're I mean, they're doing they're they're only doing the easiest of easy wins because like the, your next step up would be yeah, spend a, a little money to get this new season of Samurai Jack. Look at the other perennial favorites that aren't directly in the adults and library that you could acquire uh, the broadcast rights to that you know that once you have them you can run them forever. Acquire fully, fully acquire Cowboy Bebop because once you have them you will be able to cycle them for literally over a decade, perhaps longer. Like they still cycle these shows, uh, for fuck's sake. And we're, you know, like they, like these are shows that came out in the late nineties. Um, yes, it didn't start airing until the early O's, but that's still like, that's unbelievable for things, uh, that kind of content. And so it's like, this is an obvious pickup for your thing and they don't do that. And let alone like the, I mean, like, have we gotten any of the new venture? No. Uh, in fact, uh, they had season four, and but they're not airing it now. They were running through the whole series, and they did not. They went back to season one after season three. Um, so I guess they had season four and lost it. Uh, also, they um, back in September they picked up Aqua Unit Patrol Squad One. Uh, they only ran it <laughs> twice, and then they haven't they haven't been included in their circulation of Aqua Unit Four since. So they uh, like wh- I, I what was even the point of that? That was so weird. I think we got to cut off there. Uh, so, as always, thanks guys for coming on. We had a, I think we had a great chat tonight. Yep. All right. Yeah. Sure. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Zanan Canada. The theme song is by Ultra Kleistron, which you can purchase as part of his album Packet Flood at ultrakleistron.com. You can reach me through Twitter at Zanan Canada or email zanancanada at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, or your podcast app of choice. And as always, please recommend this show to anyone you think might be interested. Until next time, see you again.